But if you've got your Bible with you this morning, please turn with me to 2 Timothy um, chapter 4. Thank you for Timothy for leading. Uh, we're going to look at 2 Timothy, this last uh, chapter in the life of the Apostle Paul. And um, I don't know if you're into sports and into watching different things, but I, I've noticed in the last few days the Commonwealth Games have been going on. Uh, I watched a little bit of the gymnastics last night. I've uh, seen some of these ladies bouncing around doing things, but that's impossible. And if I had to do some of those things, I would be impossible. But as you see the different awards given out and the, uh, and the trophies, the gold, the silver, and, and the bronze, as if you have watched it, I realized that in the scriptures, as we look to even the Lord coming back, there is a promise of rewards for his children. And even in the award ceremonies that we even seen the other day, there was a bit of a confusion over some who competed. There was only four in the race. And so the person who came third thought they were going to get a bronze medal, but it turned out when there's only four in the race, there only is given gold and silver. And there was a bit of confusion. I wonder at times, as we as Christians this morning, do we understand what the Lord has promised for those who faithfully serve Him and worship Him and testify for Him in this day and age? And so we're going to look at one of the five crimes that are mentioned in the Scriptures this morning. We're just looking at one of them, and it's one that has a slightly unusual title, uh, a crime of righteousness. What does it mean? Now, how would we ever be able to strive to achieve that one day when we stand before the Lord? So, 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, reading from verse 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all one suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of my ministry, for I am not ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Amen. And we know the Lord will bless the reading again of his own precious word this morning. We want to consider here this, what the Bible declares as a crime of righteousness. And what does it entail? And as we would know and study the scriptures, the Bible tells us that those who love the Lord, the one thing that we can look forward to uh, is to be go to, go to be with the Lord, or perhaps even that the Lord will come 
and call us up to meet him in the clouds if he is to return. But what happens after that? Many are just looking for the one to go to heaven. But the Bible is very clear. There is many steps and teachings of what lies in the future. But the first big thing that every child of God will do is to stand before the Lord at what is known as the judgment seat of Christ. And praise God, we don't not be judged for our sins, because if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, your sins have been judged on the cross of Calvary. But we'll stand in what's the judgment seat of Christ, known by its Greek term, the Bema, judgment. And you'll give out rewards for those who have been faithful in different aspects. There's an incorruptible crown. There's a crown of rejoicing for those who take the gospel out. There's a crown of glory, the crown of life. But the one that caught my attention again this week in thinking in light of even uh, these Commonwealth Games and all the awards going out is a crime of righteousness. What does that actually mean? It's an unusual uh, title given amongst all those other crimes. You think the crime of rejoicing. There is no greater joy than to point someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can see the association, the joy of sharing the gospel. So what is this crime of righteousness? As I was sitting studying, I came across some of the different titles or unusual titles for awards and crimes. You have that which is known as the Razzies Awards, or the Golden Raspberries, given out for the worst movies. And I'm sure you've heard maybe a few of the different ones. But the one that struck me the most, and I'm not sure if you've heard of this, is the Stella Award. Has anybody heard of the Stella Award? The Stella Award uh, is given to people uh, each year who have um, filed the most outrageous lawsuit. It is named after Stella Liebeck, who in 1992 spilled a cup of McDonald's coffee on her lap, causing her some burns, and then she went to court and sued McDonald's for delivering extremely hot, undrinkable and burning coffee, and initially she was rewarded 2.9 million US dollars. How do people get it? I don't get any ideas. I go off to McDonald's this week and think, you know, they went through their cases and it was reduced. So in this world, many have different rewards, looking uh, for uh, something in life and gaining. I know the Lord has promised His children a special award, a crown here. The crown of righteousness. And I believe the crown of righteousness, by the way, if you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, every single one who has received Christ as Savior is able to get this reward. It's not just for the pastors or the missionaries or the elders or Sunday school teachers. It's available to every single child of God. And what does it entail? Well, I read these opening 11 verses of this chapter. And if you read, I'm going to just go over them very quickly and then be looking at two verses at the end, really. But you'll see the crown of righteousness is literally a crime given to those who finish well. What's the context that we have read? This is the Apostle Paul's last chapter that we have recorded in the Holy Scriptures. So shortly after this, we even see he knew it. He would go out and be beheaded and lay down his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. So as the, the last thing Apostle Paul wanted to leave to Timothy, his son of faith, 
And to all of us that read it in the Holy Word of God today, is this, is a crown of righteousness as available to every child of God who finishes well. See what it says, uh, even here in verse 3. It talks about a warning that people will turn away from the truth. The sad thing is there's many, and you don't have to use your imagination here, today there's many who would rather listen to anything and everything other than the Word of God. Tells the verse 3, the time will come, which is, I believe, now, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned onto the fables. Oh, people will gladly listen to every nonsense today, but you quote the Bible, and you will be shot. And we see it's the time of the age we're living in, and Paul writing to Timothy says, Listen, finish well. Do not move away from the Word of God. Hold fast to the truth of God. Sadly, there will be those who will move away and listen to some sort of, uh, form of entertainment or itching ears or something that they want rather than simply accepting the Bible. So he says, listen, finish well. You've started on the Word of God. Keep on going. Look at verse 5. And it says to him, here, make full proof of your ministry. Verse 5, watch in all the things and your afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Another phrase, make full proof. Literally, fulfill that which you started. Oh, the Lord has laid things upon our heart and given us a burden for a ministry, a burden for children, a burden for outreach, a burden for elderly people. Keep on doing it. Don't quit. When the obstacles come, keep on being faithful. Make full proof. Prove, carry on that which God has laid upon your heart. In verse 7, the Apostle Paul then says, I have fought this good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. He understood. Ah, uh, here, and I was giving Timothy a challenge. Listen, look at my life. If there's anything you can sum it up with, we're going to see that over there. He says, I am finishing well. Verse 6 tells us what. Reveals unto us how he knew he was about to die and now ready to be offered. My time of departure is at hand. And so the Apostle Paul is talking here, not just in words, but very literally his last advice to Timothy and to all our Christians. Finish well. Finish well. And if you do, the Bible is very clear. There is this crown of righteousness. So let's consider this crown of righteousness. You'll see in the immediate context, it's about Paul coming to the end. Paul finishing that race. Paul desiring that others would finish well as well. And there is this reward given, this crown of righteousness. Let's just note a few things about the crown of righteousness this morning. The first and the most natural thing is the designation of the title or of this reward. It is a crown of righteousness. Now before we consider what righteousness it is talking about, we need to be very clear of the distinction uh, between this crown of righteousness and what I would term the gift of righteousness that comes and is related to the time when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Do you think about that for a moment? If not one of us are righteous in this world, how can we ever get a crown of righteousness? 
Well, we understand the gift of righteousness is offered to all those who would come and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that when in relation to being saved, in relation to standing before God and, and, and standing before God in our righteousness, but covered by the blood of Christ, there's nothing that you or I can ever do in our lives that would make us uh, righteous before a holy God. In fact, all our good works is this filthy rags before a holy God. So simply again, how do we, or how are we able to stand right before the Lord, to come into a right relationship with God? It all goes back to Calvary's cross, and that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, there, He was made sin for us. He who knew no sin was made sin. Why? That we might have the righteousness of Christ. The great exchange that is offered on the cross of Calvary is this gift of righteousness where you can be made right before a holy God and always come into a right relationship, be born again into the family of God, to be redeemed, to be set free from your sins and to be adopted into God's family, to be saved. That is what I would term the gift of righteousness. But when we look here at the crown of righteousness, please do not get confused this morning. This has got nothing to do with our salvation. It's called a crown of righteousness. The word crown in the original languages is simply a, 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 the word stephanos. It means the victor's crown. In other words, you have to compete you have to enter the race, you have to compete the race, and win the race to get a crown. Well, friends, just pause for a moment. When we think of the gift of righteousness, and this, this has been offered as someone can run and compete and win it, it has got nothing to do with our salvation. Please note, I'm not talking about salvation this morning. That's the gift. When anyone simply comes and puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a wonderful gift of salvation that He offers and that we can be right with God. This crown of righteousness is a award that he offers to his children to compete, to work at, and to receive. It has to be earned. In other words, it's got nothing to do at all with salvation, but post-salvation, my walk with God, my running the race, my finishing well. And if you look at that verse where it talks about the crown of righteousness, note how verse 8 begins. It says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The Apostle Paul tells us here, where is this crown of righteousness? It's stored away in a safe place. It's stored away in a safe place. It's laid up in heaven. Now you can go and look at different crown jewels of different monarchs throughout the world. And you go and see them on display. And if you ever go to the certain places, I'll tell you what, they're all well protected. And they don't let mere mortals like us or plebs like us touch them or even try them on. I want to tell you, this crime is laid on them. Who is standing guard over it? It's not some security guard. It's not someone in the secret service. It is God himself. He has laid up in heaven crowns for his children. He is protecting them. He has guarded them. And again, that simply falls in line with scriptures. When the Lord was here on earth, what did he challenge the disciples and those who were listening to do? Not just to lay up treasures in this life, but as he says in Matthew, he says, lay up yourselves treasures in heaven. But now they're lost, 
Rosner, a Dr. Rotner, thieves break in nor steal. Friends, when we consider the description of this crime this morning, a crime of righteousness is a special crime offered for those who already have sins forgiven by the blood of Christ. They're born again into the family of God, and there's a special reward offered for those who finish well, those who carry on, and the Lord is holding it in heaven for you and I, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, as we think about that for a moment, it's safe with the Lord. No man's going to steal it. <clears throat> the only person who can prevent you or me receiving that crime is you and me. The crime is there. The Lord is willing to offer it. But the challenge comes in the context of this chapter. Will we finish well? Will we finish well? Sad to say, you probably know many people like it, and perhaps even you're one that person this morning. You perhaps ran with the Lord well before, full of zeal and energy and love and endeavor for the Lord. But what about today? Do you still have it? This is clear, it is given in the context here. We're going to see even how he describes and challenges it to the people. It is those who would finish well. A crime of righteousness. That's the description given. Who is the dispenser of this crime? Well, look at verse 8 again. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crime of righteousness. Listen to this. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. Who will dispense? Who will give it? It's not some official. Are standing there handing out a little gold silver award. It is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, the only one who is ever righteous, the only one who has lived this life perfect, holy, and righteous. No one else has even come close. And the Bible does tell us in 2 Corinthians 5 10, we must all appear before this judgment seat of Christ and to receive the things done in our bodies according to that we have done, whether it be good or bad. And we will stand before the righteous judge, the perfect and holy Lord Jesus Christ, and he desires to give out rewards. Friends, I wonder, how much time have you considered about this in the past days and weeks? Because I tell you, we live in a world where everybody's concerned what others think about us. You know, you look at the, you talk about teenagers and peer pressure, and if you have children, you wonder, oh, they're saying, this one said that about me, and that one said this about me, or I need to look like that. And we make fun of the teenagers. I have several girls that are teenagers, and even into their early 20s, and, and I just shake my head at times and think, why is that? Don't worry about what others think. And, uh, you know, they say, it's okay for you, you're an old man. It's nice to say that to me. And anyway, we, we tease the little ones, and the young ones, but this is not just peer pressure. There's family expectations. You know, many in the family they expect the children to go on, and often parents want the children to do what we couldn't do, and what we did feel that. And you, you, you see that type of pressure out there. There's parents' dreams. There is cultural demands. Well, it doesn't matter who you are, no matter what part of the world you're in. Even here in Northern Ireland, there's great cultural demands 
And often they're not always in line with the scriptures. You go to all parts of the world. I spent many years in South Africa, and I fought cultural demands in that country. Then we come back here, I think, oh, we're just as bad in many ways. There's even church and religious demands as well. And many think, oh, we have to do this and say that and look like that. And we're all concerned whether the little ones prepare pressure to always worrying about how people think about us at work. We're worried about what the boss may think. We're worried about this one or that one. So we're thinking all the time about what people think about us. But the saddest thing for Christians, how many times, or how much time do we give to think, Lord, what do you think about me? Do what? We're worried about what our friends, our family, our workmates would say about us. Well, I tell you, based on the word of God, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And he will tell us whether we've finished well or not. Friends, we live in a society that tells us to do that, and, and we're conscious. But Christians this morning, do not forget we're going to stand before the righteous judge one day. Oh, it's wonderful to know will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who is righteous. And by the way, what's this crime given? We're going to see again. It's given for those who finish well. Well, praise God. When the Lord Jesus came into this world to do the will of the Father, He finished well. Did He not? Oh, you think about the Lord Jesus Christ going all the way to Calvary. He says, yes, even the stars have fled towards Jerusalem. And what did he cry on the cross of Calvary? It is finished. What was finished? What the Father had sent him to do to become truly the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. He came, he was faithful to the Father. Not my will, but thine, he cried in the garden. He finished his race. He went to the cross of Calvary. He set as an example. And that's the one we will stand before. The one who finished his race, who finished well. And he offers for others, oh, this crown of righteousness. Friends, this crown of righteousness will not be given to people who have good intentions. Good intentions go nowhere, unless something happens to them. This crown of righteousness will not be given for someone who has an outburst of zeal and enthusiasm and next month they can't be found in the church. This crown of righteousness well, is not given to those who, who ten years ago served in, in, in the Lord with great zeal and enthusiasm, but are just happy to sit and do nothing today. This crown of righteousness, this, this crown that is offered, is one that today, perhaps you can look at that and say, but I've messed up even as a child of God. I've blown my testimony. Oh, yes, maybe I used to serve the Lord and the that may be the case. I want to tell you today, if you surrender to the Lord completely and say, Lord, take my life, here it is, do what you want with it. From today to when the Lord calls you home, if you finish well, this crown of righteousness is laid up in heaven, reserved in heaven for you and me. It is the righteous judge who will offer it and give it out. He desires that each of his children would finish well, just like how the Lord ultimately went 
to the cross himself. So you see the description of the crime. You see the dispenser of this crime. And thirdly, you'll see the day in which he will receive it. Look at it again in verse 8. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. At that day. The Apostle Paul was real, realistic here. He understood what was about to happen. He knew that he would, that God had promised him this reward, but he knew it's not something he's going to receive on earth. He says at that day, at that day, verse 6 says, I'm really now to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. The Apostle Paul knew he wasn't going to get an earthly reward. You know, sad as many Christians who want to get caught up I want the praise of even other Christians, the pat on the back. Sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. But the Apostle Paul made it very clear, I'm looking for that day. That day when he would stand before the Lord, it wasn't be a day on earth. Why? Because he says, it says very clearly, he was about to be offered. Offered. I'm not ready to be offered. Literally a pouring out. The Apostle Paul understood very clearly as a Roman citizen he couldn't be crucified. As a Roman citizen, he knew in all likelihood his death would be his head being removed. And like the drink offering in the scriptures, I'll be offered. His head and cloth of blood would come out. As everything he knew, it wasn't the Romans taking his life, but he was offering his life for the Lord. He was finishing well. He says the time of my departure is at hand here. It's a beautiful word in the Greek language. It means to loosen or to lift up the anchor or to set on a journey. Oh, the Apostle Paul realized his time on earth was coming to an end, but he was going to somewhere far greater. Oh, the Apostle Paul said, as he wrote to the church of Philippi, he said, for me to live is Christ. And the Apostle Paul did live Christ, but he says, to die is gain. We say that all the time. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But the Apostle Paul was telling Timothy and others, he says, oh, I've lived this life of Christ, and I'm going to go in his presence. I'm looking forward to that day when I will gain the crown of righteousness. Have you set that as one of your goals and targets in life? The Bible says, to die is gain. What will you gain? The scriptures are very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There's coming a time when we'll stand at that judgment seat of Christ. And rewards will be given out. Gold, silver, and precious stone. Oh, for those who are faithful, this one is mentioned for those, I believe, who are faithful to the end. But the Bible also warns us all the rewards will be given wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble. And when you stand before the Lord, as the Bible clearly teaches us, seen in the book of Revelation, what is the Lord's eyes made of? Flaming fire. Now, wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up. Friends, in the day, we will still be saved. But you may not have rewards. You may just be smelling of wood, hay, and stubble. You know, if you ever have a barbecue, and in South Africa, they love their barbecues, they call them brides. And they would go there and they do not the gas price, it had to be the coal and take several hours to get it going. I dislike them with a passion. 
Because wherever I stood around the barbecue or the prize, they called it, guess what? The smoke followed me. And you know, afterwards you come up and you stink of smoke. And it irritates in your eyes. I wonder how many Christians when we stand before the Lord, instead of having a, a, a crown, but as you see later, like the elders, we can cast down at the feet of the Lord. Will we just be there with a terrible smell? The Lord says this, it doesn't have to be that way. There is this beautiful crown of righteousness given for those who would finish well. It's going to be given out by the Lord Himself. It's going to be given out, not on earth, but on that day, Paul says, when I leave this earth, I'm looking forward to the future day when I will get this special reward. So you see the description, the dispenser, the day of this crime. And then fourthly, you see the duty of this crime. How can we actually win this crime as well? Paul says in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then in the end, in the middle of verse 8 again, it's something very important. He says, and not to me only, but unto them also, the love is appearing. Timothy, when hearing and getting this last epistle, and hearing then later on, when the Apostle Paul dies, he well, truly, Paul is deserving of that crown of righteousness. The Apostle Paul had done much for the Lord, mystery journeys, he'd been shipwrecked for the faith, he'd been beaten up, oh, he got himself into many dangers, uh, he was whipped and stoned even nigh to death, and all those things, surely, this crime of righteousness is only for those who have done such a great sacrifice. No, what did the Apostle Paul say? Verse 8, not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Well, this morning, do you love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ? How do we receive this reward twofold? We need to love the Savior, and then we need to be loyal in service to the Savior. See what the Bible is very clear. There's no accidents or mistakes in our Bible. I want you to note the wording here this morning. Some people get slightly confused and say, well, I'm looking forward to Christ coming back. That's not what the Bible says. It says those who love His appearing. Those that love His appearing. See, first it doesn't say those, by the way, who love Jesus. This is talking to here Christians, and every Christian should love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just love is appearing. Not just looking for his appearing, but to love his appearing. As I said earlier, I have a number of children. And when you get these, um, when they get into their teenage years, and even when they get into their early 20s, it doesn't change much for the living at home. And as we several times, you know, I said, it's not coming home, I'll be home at five, and I want your room cleaned. I'm sure the kids here, parents here, don't have the same problems I do with mine. And you know what? Guess what they will do? I'm away all the days. It's five o'clock at home, that room better be cleaned. Do you think they go up at nine o'clock and say, I'm going to start cleaning the room? Not a chance. You know when they probably start to clean that room is about five to five. And they'll be looking and think, is that here yet? Is that here? We better get this clean. They're looking for me. But they're not loving my appearing. Because they know there's still things to be done. And that describes 
the attitude sadly of many Christians. Oh, we are looking forward to going to be with the Lord in heaven. To leave this world and the struggles behind. But if the Lord was appear today and take us home, what would be on your mind? Oh, I should have done this. I should have invited that one to church. I should have prayed more. I should have lifted the phone and spoken to that one. Can you see, Christians, yes, we're looking forward to the return of Christ. But this crown of righteousness is to those who have completed everything that the Lord has laid upon their heart. The Lord gives burdens and challenges and the Lord's will is revealed unto each individual. Can we be like the Apostle Paul says, and finish what the Lord has called upon our life? And in that sense, then we're ready. And I can honestly say, I love the Lord to come. There's nothing more I need to do in service for the Lord. And I pause. Can we honestly say that this morning? Well, I believe the challenge should be given. If that's a guess, and if there's things to be done, guess what? Let's get up and do them. This crown of righteousness for those who finish well, who have done each and everything that the Lord has asked, or who would love the Lord to come now. Oh, because they have seen Him face to face, so they'll not be ashamed. Because they have been faithful to what the Lord has called in their lives. When I read these verses and read again, I sit and I shake my head and ask, like, Oh Lord, I want you to come back, but just hold on a second. I need to do something. Will that be our attitude? Oh, God forbid that be the case. You see, how does he describe it there in, in uh, verse uh, 7? He says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the face. Three simple little things that I need to ask. How can we be loyal? I have fought the good fight. Can I simply say, and the time is moving on, Christians, doesn't say, I've fought. Christians are good at fighting, by the way. Maybe not a pain range, but many cases I know Christians can fight and argue over nothing. But God says there's a reward given for those who fight the good fight. Something that has eternal value. Let's not get caught up and distracted by things that don't really matter when we stand before the Lord Jesus someday. But those things that matter, let's fight that good fight. Oh, so we have to do that. We have to uh, compete and fight and do it well. Then he says, I finished my course. Simply about describing running a race. Running the race, completing the race. Oh, friends, the Bible talks to several others who ran the race. The Apostle Paul, when he preached his first sermon on his first missionary journey, he stood up and he spoke about John the Baptist. He said this of John the Baptist. and says that John fulfilled his course. He said, Whom think ye that I am? And not he, but behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. Acts chapter 13, 24, 25. Paul said, There is no one who finished well. He came to understand who was the most important in life. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. John said, I'm not even worthy to lose his shoes. He understood. Who the Lord was. He understood the sin in his life. He understood that there was a problem, but he understood there was a greater Savior. He also declared in John's Gospel, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. 
to the Apostle Paul when he's talking here about finishing well. He knew of others who ran that race and finished well. He himself would say to the elders at Ephesus, I've finished the course. And there he simply said unto them, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We said, think, well, I've missed some opportunities. Some I, I should have spoken to. Very simple today. You want to win this crown of righteousness? Just stop and contact those people. It's very simple. The Apostle said, I have not shunned to declare to all. And make that a challenge in the lives that we'll use every opportunity to serve our Lord and Savior. And ultimately, the writer of Hebrews says, looking onto the author and finisher. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Oh, oh, just to consider, oh, here he's fought that good fight, he's finished the course, and then he says, I've kept the faith. Oh, he hasn't compromised. He's been faithful. Remember the opening verses, verse 3 and 4, how many have turned away from God's word? He says, It's not stuck to God's word. I've kept it, I've been faithful right to the end. One of the hymn writers says, It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Christ is promised for those who do it. And love his appearing. There is a crown of righteousness. Praise that I just finish off very quickly this morning and say there's discernment required for this crime. I read earlier verses 9, 10, and 11, and there's a number of names even further down in the chapter as well you can read. And the Bible's very clear. In verse 10, it simply says, For demons have forsaken me. Oh, the demons started well, but didn't finish well. And God says, How did he not finish well? He hath loved his present world and has departed unto Thessalonica. On Demas, who is mentioned in the three places in the scriptures, even over in Philemon, oh, he's described as a fellow laborer of the Apostle Paul. Now we find he's not finishing well. So, why the Apostle Paul saying to Timothy, fight that good fight, run that course, keep the faith, finish well. Oh, truly love the appearing of the Lord. And in that day, you will get a crown of righteousness. He said this morning, oh, I'm blown up, I've messed up. There's no chance of me ever getting a crown of righteousness. Pause. He goes down in verse 11. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he is profitable for the ministry. What do we know of Mark or John Mark? That's the same John Mark. Who went with Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey. I say in John Mark, who quit that first missionary journey and went home for whatever reason, he left and he quit. When Paul and Barnabas wanted to go on the second missionary journey, what happened? Barnabas said, Let's bring John Mark. Paul says, Not in your life. I can't trust him. And they split. And John Mark, who failed miserably, what we find here at the end of Paul's life, bring him. For he is profitable for me, for the ministry. Oh, I believe John Mark here. 
As Paul highlights in this passage of a crown of righteousness to those who finish well, those who love the appearing of the Lord, saying, listen friends, you could have blown it this morning. But look at John Mark. From today, make a decision. Not just that I'm looking for Christ, but I'm loving the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will fight every good fight. I will run that race. I will keep that faith. And as the Apostle Paul says, for henceforth, it's led not just for him, but for all who love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, as we even see over these next week or so, more gold, silver, and bronze given Think about it. When you hear of those who get the different words, saying, what lies ahead for me? It's there for heaven. It's there. But the challenge is very simple as this. Will I finish well? Do I really love his appearing? Or am I just looking for it? Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for this uh, passage that Paul read at the end of his life. And he challenged the younger Timothy oh, to be faithful, to finish well, not to be distracted by even false doctrines and fables. I desire to learn even from his example of finishing well. And he promised that there would be a special crown of righteousness given by the righteous judge himself. Oh, Father, as we glean these few truths this morning, I pray for each one that is gathered here, first and foremost, that they may know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. They may have called out and received that wonderful gift of salvation and where they may have been right, not in their own good works, but in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this special gift that is uh, offered for those who have win it, Lord, may each one of us who know Christ as Savior this morning. Oh, may we determine today that from now until the end, whatever it may be, how long or how short, Lord, we pray that you would be gracious, that your Spirit may lead and guide us. We know you may empower us to finish this race well. Oh, let us discern the, the, the examples John Mark failed, but then turned back. Demas who started well, but yet failed miserably in the end. Oh Lord, God forbid we're like Demas this morning. Rather, may we be like even John Mark or like the Apostle Paul. And may we have the joy of one day a truly to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord is gain. Oh, Father, may that be the reality and the truth for every child of God. Oh, that truly as we be in this life, we know your love. But what a day it will be when even to receive an award from the Lord himself. In Jesus' name, we ask these things.